Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John, we're going to look at the first four verses of chapter 1. John jumps right into uh, his letter without any salutation. Um, there are other citations that tell us from, from history, from very early history, that John was indeed the author of these three epistles. Uh, there's a lot of similarity, which we'll see in a moment, one similarity, between uh, this epistle of John and the Gospel of John. A lot of the same themes, the, 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 the writing is the same, so no doubt this is written by John the Apostle, and he says this, God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word to us today. Well, this series is called The Genuine Christian Discovered. And what we want to find out today and in the coming weeks is if you, me, are we genuine Christians? If you believe that you're a genuine Christian, why do you think you are a genuine Christian? Now, this letter of John's before us was written to a people who were encountering false teachers. And John is very concerned that these believers are not deceived by the false teaching, and he also doesn't want them to be deceived by themselves. You know, we can deceive ourselves rather easily, especially if we listen to false teachers. Well, of course, we are under the same threat today. There are many false teachers spreading their false gospels around us today. Many of them are on television, people who would deceive us. But there's also uh, our culture at large that speaks, uh, uh, well, it's, it speaks its theology, its philosophy, its worldview to us on a regular basis through many avenues, television, radio, etc., so we're constantly bombarded with an alternate way of thinking about the world, a way that is not reflective of God's purpose for the world. And we're influenced by that. It's very hard for us to get away from that. And then, just being in the South, we have this threat of a cultural Christianity. It's prevalent here, and people are deceived. The idea that if you are a moral person who attends church most of the time, maybe you walked an aisle... Uh, and pray to prayer at uh, some meeting that, uh, that you're okay. You've checked the box, you've done that, you've got the fire insurance, and you're good. Now, it may or may not be 
uh, a real conversion or not. But why do you think that you are a genuine Christian? That's the question before us. And there are many people who have a false assurance of their salvation because they're judging themselves by the wrong standard. And that's the key. What is the standard by which we judge ourselves? And what I'm challenging you to do in this study of 1 John is to measure yourself by, by God's word alone. Does the Bible say that you are a Christian? You know, you've heard the, the, the saying uh, or the illustration, I guess it is, you know, if, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, we need to judge ourselves by God's word, not by what the culture tells us, not by what we think about things, but what does God's word say about it? Because John is very concerned uh, about certainty and, and truth, and he's trying to convince these, these, his audience, the recipients of this letter, he's, he's trying to show them the truth and for them to have certainty about it. He writes in 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that's, what we wanna, that's, that's what the result we want from this study of 1 John, to come out from the other side and know, because God's Word says so, that we have eternal life. As I said, John's dealing with certainties. He uses the word know 37 times in these five chapters uh, of this epistle. And he also continuously, like I said, is dealing with facts. What makes a Christian a Christian? And at the end of the day, it's not what you think, what people tell you, but what God says about it that matters. So let's measure ourselves by God's word. And today, in these verses before us, I want to point out three marks of a genuine Christian. First, genuine Christians believe the gospel. Genuine Christians believe the gospel. Now, the word gospel means good news. Many of you have heard this before and you know it. The gospel, the good news, uh, is the good news concerning Jesus Christ specifically. And we must be perfectly clear on that point. The gospel is news. It's not instruction. There might be some instructions that come with it. But the gospel itself is news. Many people, that believe, many people believe that Christianity is like all the other religions in the world. And that is, it is primarily a code that one follows. A list of instructions telling people how they can get to heaven. That is not the gospel. Christianity is about what Jesus came to earth to do in order for people to be able to get to heaven. It's a report of, of who he is and, and what he's done in space and time and history in order to save sinful people such as we are. It's a report. It's news. That's what the gospel is. People were witnesses to it. And that's what John is saying here. Notice how John describes it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, 
looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you. He's giving a report in, these, in, in what he's proclaiming. He's telling you something that has happened. He's telling you uh, something that is historical. And, and, and he was there and he saw it. He heard it. He touched it. They are reporting on their experience with Jesus specifically. And look how Jesus is described here. He begins by saying, that which was from the beginning concerning the word of life. That's the first sentence. That which was from the beginning concerning the word of life. This is what he's proclaiming. That which was from the beginning takes us back to the very dawn of time, to creation. Jesus was there the very beginning. And John in his gospel says the exact same thing, doesn't he? Chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, how did creation begin? By God's Word. Let there be light, and there was light. The Word became flesh. All things were created through God's Word. And Jesus is God's Word incarnate. He became a man. He took on human flesh. And John says here in this letter that he was there. He heard him, he saw him, he touched him. The one who is the agent of creation has come, the one who, through whom life came into being, walked the earth, and he gives eternal life. And that's what John's proclaiming. Jesus has come into the world, the one who was at the beginning. We have seen him, we have touched him, and he's come into the world. So he's giving us this news report that Christ has come. Now, the gospel, this good news, this report uh, of events that happened in time and history, uh, when we encounter news of this sort, we have to respond to it, don't we? And that's the point. How do we respond to the news? That's what makes a genuine Christian. A genuine Christian appropriately appropriately responds to the news. Now if you, you know, we we understand this when we watch the evening news on television, we expect to hear reports what, what about what's going on in the world, what significant events have taken place today, and some of those events will uh, call for a reaction from us. Some of them don't pertain to us at all. There's a lot of news out there that that you know, we could be better off not knowing. It doesn't, doesn't affect us really. But the gospel, the good news about Jesus, affects everybody. Everybody who has ever lived, ever will live. It's the most important news that's ever, that's ever been. And it calls for a response. Now, if we receive news that a class 5 hurricane is heading this way, you know, you don't ignore that news, right? 
You, you go, you, you pack it up, and you head for high and dry land. You respond to the news report that you hear. Or if you hear they're down at, the, you know, down at the bank, they're giving away money. They've opened the vault, and they're just giving it away. And you hear about this, and, and you, know, you can ignore it, but you won't get the benefits if you ignore it. You won't get any money by sitting at home. You respond. You go down there and you get your free handout. Well, it's the same with the gospel. When you hear the good news about Jesus that John is saying he's been proclaiming, the good news about the eternal life giver coming to earth to die in the place of sinful people, you must react to that. You must have an appropriate response to that. And the appropriate response is to believe and to repent and believe, to turn from sin, from, to turn from the world and, and turn from the alternate uh, kingdom that is allied against Christ's kingdom and turn to this Messiah, this Savior. You must embrace Christ by faith and what he has done for you or you can ignore it at your peril because there are eternal consequences to rejecting the news or ignoring this news. And you can miss out on all the benefits provided by Jesus Christ if you ignore this news. See, the Christian faith is not just a bunch of abstract ideas. Christianity is grounded in history and is objectively true. And you have to react appropriately to that truth. Now, a genuine Christian is someone who is living life in response to the news about Jesus. If Jesus is who he said he was, and if Jesus has done what, what the reports say he did, if he, if he lived and died and rose again from the dead, then he must be worshipped. He must be followed. You must respond to him. So a genuine Christian is someone who is continuously responding to this news, this gospel. We never get past the gospel. You don't just accept it one day and forget about it. It's the most life-changing message, and it must be proclaimed to yourself every day. You need to reflect on it every day and live in light of it every day. That's what a genuine Christian does. Now the second thing that we see here, a genuine Christian not only believes the gospel first, but genuine Christians, John tells us, enjoy fellowship with God and his people. This is what's on offer. This is one of the two benefits we find here uh, about, for those who have responded appropriately to the gospel. First of all, they have fellowship with God and his people. Look at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard... We proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now you've got to watch those hours here, the O-U-R, because sometimes you can read this and you can say, well, is John saying, and I don't think he's saying this, he's saying, you know, you people that I'm writing to, you can have fellowship with us. Myself, the other apostles, the other believers. Uh, and our fellowship, you, you might be tempted to think John is saying, well, you can fellowship with us and we fellowship 
with, with the Father and the Son. Maybe because we're apostles. But that's not what John means. John is saying, you have fellowship with us and, and you and me and the apostles and everybody that's a true believer has fellowship with the Father and the Son. So that hour is everybody. It's all-inclusive hour. So our fellowship, those who respond appropriately to the gospel, their fellowship is with God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, though he's not mentioned here, and all who are in the family of God. Fellowship. Now that word fellowship, koinonia is the Greek word, uh, communion is the same word we sometimes translate it. It's a close relationship. And isn't that wonderful? That because of what Christ has done in time and history, if we embrace that in faith, then we, we can have fellowship with the creator of the universe. We can have a relationship with our creator. We can know him. We can have his presence with us. We can have a relationship with, us, with him. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. Through what he did, time and space, in history, we can, you know, sin separates us from God. We'll see that in the following verses of this chapter. It breaks the fellowship with God. God's holy and he cannot have sin in his presence. But because Christ cleanses us and forgives us and takes away the guilt of our sins... We can have a relationship with our Creator. God loves to have, he, the way He relates to people is through covenant. He, makes a, he has a covenant relationship. The only equivalent we have, really, uh, in, in our experience is marriage. When you marry someone, you are bound to them. You make vows to one another and promises. You're exclusive to that person. And that's the, way, that's the same kind of relationship that God promises with us. Very close intimate, exclusive relationship. Of course, he has an exclusive relationship with all of us in the body of Christ, in the church of Christ. But you can have a relationship with Christ, with God. And that affects our vertical, the vertical relationship affects our horizontal relationships. So not only do we have a relationship with God, that puts us in connection with the rest of the people who have a relationship with God. And we have this close fellowship. So on Mother's Day, we can celebrate our birth mothers, but we can also celebrate uh, the, the, uh, the, the spiritual mothers in the church. Spiritual mothers who have come alongside of us and encouraged us in the faith, and, and we're just as close to them, maybe even, even as our birth mothers. I've lost my birth mother, and I appreciate the women in this church who are close to me and encourage me. So fellowship with God. Do you enjoy fellowship with God? Have you experienced fellowship with God? Prayer, listening to his word, uh, coming to church, singing to him, having a relationship, walking with him, depending upon him, listening to him, just like you would have a relationship with someone else. Do you have that? It's on offer. That's what Jesus came to, to do for us, to make it possible for us to have this relationship. If you don't have an ongoing relationship with God, that's what the scripture is telling you, then you're not a genuine Christian. 
That's what, it, that's what is happening with genuine Christians. They are having a relationship with God, a daily relationship with God. Now finally, thirdly, genuine Christians, first of all, believe the gospel. Genuine Christians, secondly, enjoy fellowship with God and his people. And thirdly, genuine Christians experience fullness of joy. It says here, uh, we write these things that our joy may be complete. And some translations, some manuscripts have that your joy may be complete. Um, it doesn't matter. Either way, it includes everybody that is a believer. John may be saying your to all who've embraced Christ by faith, or he says me and you, all of us, our. Our joy is complete and full. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul is pleading with them because they have abandoned the gospel. They, are, they have decided that, hey, you know, trusting Christ to do the work, we don't want to do that anymore. We're going we're gonna to go back to the law. We're going to try to earn our salvation through following the Mosaic law. That was what was being preached to them. And they were, they were heading in that direction. They were moving towards that, a works salvation. And Paul says to them, he asked them a question, I, I want to know what has happened to your joy. Where did your joy go? And he's trying to show them, you know, that sense of blessedness that you had, that, of being in God's presence. You don't have that anymore, do you? Because you're not believing the gospel anymore. You're not trusting in him. The God, if, you, if you're embracing Christ, then you should experience joy. It doesn't mean you won't have difficult times. The Bible makes that clear. There will be trials. There will be difficulties. But as Paul said to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's always a cause for rejoicing for the believer. It doesn't mean there won't be times for tears. But even in the midst of tears, there's an underlying buoyancy to life. Uh, an uplift that we have because everything is going to be okay because of what Christ has done in time, space, and history. And those who have embraced Christ can have that assurance, even in the difficult times, that they are in the center of God's will, in the palm of his hand, and no one can snatch them away. What a great assurance we have in Christ. So I want you to challenge you today to think about these things, and, and there's more to come in 1 John but today, think, have I really embraced the gospel? Have I responded appropriately to this news? Because God has done something in time and space, and we shouldn't ignore that. And are you experiencing fellowship with God and the joy of salvation? Is that something that you have in your life? And those are some of the marks of a believer. And we need to measure ourselves by God's word. And pursue these things. Listen to the gospel. Embrace the gospel. Turn to Christ. I would encourage you to do that and reflect on this in these coming days. And we'll see more in the coming weeks about what uh, the Bible says about genuine Christians. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do pray that we would judge ourselves appropriately by your word. And Lord, grant us faith. Faith to believe, to think about what, who Jesus is, 
all the claims that he made, that he's the Son of God, that he's the, the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, and that he has done this great work of, of laying down his life as a, as a substitution for us to atone for our sins. And he died and he rose from the dead because his sacrifice was acceptable. And Lord, that put the stamp of approval on it. And, and that resurrection that he had is just the beginning of the resurrection of all of his people. Lord, help us to believe those things and to embrace it and live in light of those things, to respond to them daily. Lord, we pray that we would be enjoying fellowship with you and walk with you and that our joy would be full, overflowing. Lord, I pray that if anyone doesn't know these things today, that you would, by your Spirit, continue to work and draw them to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.